Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. All right. Uh, welcome, everybody, to uh, another edition of uh, Yolitics. Jason Wheeler here with Jason Whiteley. Uh, we are joined um, distantly through Zoom once again. And uh, Jason, are you, do you remember the days when we used to actually be able to look right at each other and, you know, clink glasses, have a beer, maybe eat an appetizer or two and do this? I, I don't know how we convinced our bosses to let us have a beer and do this. I still don't. But they probably love I the fact don't. that we can't have a beer now. They're, they're saving that expense on the uh, on the budget. But, you yeah. know, one of our, I, I thought one of the my favorite episodes so far has been, it was probably just the setting, uh, but was sitting outside on Greenville Avenue, lowest Greenville in Dallas, Texas, having pizza. And I think we were drinking green beer because yes. it was March just before yes. St. Patty's Day Parade was supposed to happen. Mm-hmm. And I remember that the uh, the city had made the controversial at the time, the controversial call to do away with the St. Patrick's Day Parade that year. A lot of people and a lot of businesses were not happy about that. But this is an enormous gathering. We're talking about, you know, a little mini Mardi Gras almost uh, that takes place in Dallas every year where they, you know, get 100,000 plus people lining the streets there. They get a parade going. And there were people at the time, I remember Jason, who were saying, isn't this an overreaction? Isn't this overkill? This virus isn't even a big deal here right now and in hindsight it looks like you know that was probably a very wise decision to keep that many people apart from each other then and it was an early call and since then the three months that we were sitting out in lois greenville we have seen what this virus can do what it's done to the economy what it's done to so many restaurants as well so we decided to revisit that episode and we called up sammy mandel sammy is the uh, owner operator master pizza chef at uh, Greenville Avenue Pizza Company. And uh, we wanted to check in with him to see how things are going now. Yeah, we're doing it sans the uh, green beer and the pizza this time. Uh, but, you know, you know, one of the things that struck me back then, Jason, was how how little we knew, how, how much it seemed like was unknown still uh, about this virus and what it was going to do, uh, you know, health-wise and economically. And uh, it seems like we're still kind of in that same boat all these months later. So we wanted to touch base with him and just find out. You know, is there is there any certainty right now? What has it been like? What do you expect going forward? Hey, Sammy, what I would give to be back out sitting on the sidewalk uh, on Greenville, man, having a pint and a pizza I know, right, right now. Right? Um, Feels like we did that in a different lifetime. And it was how many months ago? What, three, three, three months, three ago? months ago. Yeah. So uh, a lot has changed in three months. Sammy, tell me what's going on with you guys now. Well, uh, when we met that day, I mean, we were obviously, as, as a company, trying to remain optimistic that maybe this was just going to blow over, and, uh, and then it just got increasingly worse. Obviously, by the following Monday, the, from the last time I saw you guys, 
it was like dining rooms closed. Um, and it was, it was an amazing, you know, transformation trying to just, just adapt real quickly and accept that this is going to be the way that it is moving forward. Um, we did get lucky being a delivery business. So we were able to adapt much quicker than other businesses, uh, due to the fact that our concept already was delivery and to go. Um, but nonetheless, knowing that the experience that we try to give guests when they walk through those through the door, that was gone the minute they made that. Uh, so what were you doing to try to keep up with this as far as just the infrastructure inside the restaurant to make this safe for people? How far did this go? Sure. So uh, we have been, I would say, very proactive as a company uh, from the minute this happened. You know, we implemented, you know, sheets that employees would have to sign off um, saying that, you know, they feel okay to work. Uh, we were doing temperature checks from day one, documenting those temperatures. Um, we, as, as time kind of went on, we even went further with it. And if, if you go into our restaurants now, we actually have plexiglass dividers on all of our bar tops, on our communal table. So essentially, I mean, even if you're sitting down, uh, we made the plexiglass to where it kind of comes out along the sides. So you're even kind of divided on, on the sides of you. Um, if you're sitting down, uh, we even made it where the plexiglass was customly cut to where if we're delivering a pizza to you, we can slide it underneath the plexi and be on one side of it. Uh, so wow. we really like went over the top. It obviously was extremely expensive, um, you can imagine that plexiglass is through the roof right now. Uh, <laughs> yes, uh, that's our next episode, I think. Man. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but we wanted to do it uh, really to try to just be ahead and be proactive and really create a safe environment for our guests so that when they walk in, they can say, hey, you know what, GAPCO does it right. Uh, we feel safe to be in here. Uh, so mm -hmm. we actually reopened our dining rooms on Monday uh, and we had even contracted out a disinfectant, uh, you know, a sanitization company, which they had done all their sprays before we opened. So we had the restaurant completely sprayed, had the, had the um, uh, plexiglass installed. We had new hand sanitizer dispensers everywhere. I mean, we were, we were ready. So that's the approach we've taken. But so you guys took all the precautions and went over the top, but you still had one employee, like so many businesses we've heard about. You still have one employee that uh, got the virus, right? Yes. I mean, talk about timing. I mean, here we are. We even, you know, we waited. I mean, you know, we didn't, as soon as they went to 75%, we still didn't open. We wanted to ensure that everything was the way we wanted it before we did it. And lo and behold, we open on Monday. And next thing you know, I'm getting a phone call from one of our employees saying that she tested positive for COVID. Well, tell wow. me what that phone call was like and what your reaction was, man. Sure, well, I, I, I kind of take that back. It was a text message, <laughs> well, but-, but um, Did uh, you throw your phone down? What, what, what happened? Yeah, I mean, I was absolute shock um, as an owner uh, that has been proactive. Um, we've implemented all these things. Um, it was just heart stopping, you know? Um, what do I do? Uh, you know, I hope nobody else has it. 
and it was it was just kind of like a little state of panic um now i will say though that in our situation uh it it benefited us waiting uh due to the fact that that particular employee had not been in the restaurant for over a week so one of the downsides was you know you hear all these things saying oh get your test results back in 48 hours 48 hours well that did not happen it took like eight days um and so that employee luckily followed protocol which is hey if you ever start to feel sick call in let us know and don't come in so mm -hmm. luckily her her this whole thing happened with her before we ever even opened the restaurants to the customers does this give you new appreciation for this virus though because i mean no matter what you do you can't plan for everything that's going to happen with this yeah no you can't i mean the, i think at the end of the day what every owner has to understand that we're also trying to grapple with is that all we can do is ask our staff to be responsible when they're not at work um we believe full-heartedly that the virus did not get contracted while in gatco um, and that I think is kind of the main thing that people have to understand. If you're a customer and you're deciding where to go, just make sure that you believe that you trust that place. You can't, you can't look at a place and say, you know, oh, I don't, I mean, you, you kind of have to look at the response, the responsible level of the business. You can't focus on just people because people are going to make decisions and you hope that they're responsible. That's what we are pitching to our staff. Um, but at the end of the day, people just have to realize and look at, is this business a responsible business and do I trust them? And I think that since the beginning of this, that's what we've been trying to do is get our, our customers to trust that we are doing a good job. Um, it was very, you know, it was very like sad for us even to have to put out a statement and say, hey guys, we're sorry, we just had somebody test positive. And, mm -hmm. you know, we were frantically trying to figure out, well, like, what's our response gonna be? And so the first thing was like, okay, well, we gotta inform our customers. Um, and two, what is the protocol in the restaurant that we take? I mean, we just had our restaurant sanitized on Monday. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what we did was we, we shut down the restaurant the minute we found out. So we actually closed after getting the information from the employee. We actually shut down the restaurants. Um, we coordinated with the company that had come out on Monday to come out again Friday morning and re-sanitize. Wow. And in a, less than 24 hours had all employees tested from a mobile mm -hmm. doctor unit that came out to the restaurants so that everyone mm -hmm. could get tested and then reopen Friday morning or Friday afternoon, depending on which store. Sammy, hmm. you keep getting emails as we're here, so let us know if something big happens, man. <laughs> I, I, I know you- uh, Busy guy. Yeah. Um, hey, it, it, what was the reaction from your customers, man? Because no, no business wants to tell their customers that they have uh, uh, you know, an employee or someone that, that tested positive for COVID. Did, your, did, did you guys take a hit at all from customers? We, um, honestly, the customer response was, uh, they were very appreciative that we informed them with that letting them know um, that we had a situation happen. A lot of people, we've got, you know, we've got, we got text messages from customers because they have the ability to do that. And uh, just messages on Facebook saying, hey guys, stay strong. We're here to support y'all. Uh, it was very good messaging from the community 
uh, towards us. And one of the things that, you know, really has changed since the last time I saw y'all right around St. Patrick's Day is the support we have gotten from the community has been absolutely overwhelming. I mean, from the moment this thing kicked off, like that Monday when they shut down uh, those dining rooms, um, we have gotten so much support from our customers. Uh, we've put out messages just saying how much we've appreciated. Tips went up three times the amount that they were. <laughs> and wow. even in this scenario, when unfortunately we, we had to give this bad news that this thing happened, they still were there to help support us. So it is great to see uh, our community rally around us to try to keep our chins high uh, when you have to deliver some bad news like that. Yeah, you know, the thing is, is that you didn't actually have to tell people either, though. And I think a lot of people don't realize that restaurants are not obligated to tell anybody that someone on staff has contracted COVID. Uh, that took guts to do. It was, uh, I have a very good team around me. And so while I was going into a state of panic and depression. <laughs> I can imagine. You know, uh, I was, I, I, I was there to, uh, you know, have have my team kind of say hey man it's all it's all going to be okay because as an owner in those little moments like that where you're so you're you're responsible for paying everyone for, for being a you know a job creator and a provider and and uh in those moments it's so scary and um i feel very fortunate to have a good team around me that that helped me that supported me helped me get the messaging out and then on top of that then have the customers you know, personally say to us as after we deliver the message that they're there for us and they support us. And so it was a very uh, emotional roller coaster. <laughs> it was a very turbulent weekend. Um, you know, I but, bet, I, but I will say though that by having this scare, um, I, what I'm kind of looking at is, is that it's putting our staff in a position of also knowing how close this can be and to really truly be responsible when you're outside of your work environment. And I think that's a lot of what people out of this, out of this um, situation, you know, this exercise, whatever you want to call it. Uh, I, my hope is that it just enforces that, that call to, Hey guys, when you're not at work, wear the mask, wear gloves, be responsible. So that that way, when you come into work, you're not potentially bringing any of that in with you. So the last time we talked to you was around St. Patty's Day. And the reason we, we chatted with you, Sammy, was because the St. Patty's Day Parade yeah. on Greenville Avenue, which attracts 100,000 people, it had just been canceled uh, yeah. in March. So we called you up and we, we sat outside and you were talking about how that's the single biggest day for you. And, and Gapco, the Greenville Avenue Pizza Company. Yeah. Um, I, if my recollection's correct, I think you forecasted something like uh, you thought by losing the parade, you business would be down like 20% or so. We have heard from the Texas Restaurant Association and many others that there are some companies that just are not going to make it through this. So that's my question for you, man. I mean, a lot's changed in the three months since we last saw you, Sammy. Are y'all going to make it, man? We are. Um, you know, I will say that we are, and we attribute it all to our customers supporting us and to our employees, <clears throat> sorry, and to our employees for showing up and doing what they needed to do during this, this crisis. Um, you know, I will say that uh, the government putting in the PPP money was a big, um, just 
you know, peace of mind. You know, it was a very, again, very stressful period of time, um, not knowing what's going to happen, not knowing how turbulent this thing was going to be. All that money did was allow you as an owner to just go, okay, you know what? If something bad happens, we have some money to weather the storm. And, mm-hmm. you know, when this whole thing first happened, I did what a lot of other restaurants did. And that is that, hey, managers, you're going to have to work more. We're going to have to protect our labor costs. We're going to have to do this. We're going to have to do that. And I'll tell you what, it, when, that, when we got word that PPP money was going was gonna to be this real thing, that it was going to roll through, I stepped all that back. And I said, you know what? Go back to your normal schedules. Schedule the staff like you were scheduling it. Because you know what? We're going to have some financial relief here. And let's try to give people their same schedules and as much time away from the restaurant just to keep stress levels down. And And for uh, people who aren't familiar with that acronym there, PPP is the Paycheck Protection Program, which is basically it becomes a forgivable loan from the federal government if you can keep the workers on the payroll. Sammy, how much did that help you to be able to divert money to other things? Because I'm hearing this setup that you have created there in the restaurant and it sounds really expensive. Uh, What kind of dollar figure would you put on preparations just dealing with COVID? Sure. Yeah. So, so um, in relation to just kind of getting the restaurant ready, you know, we have, so we have two. So we spent well over, I would say probably about, about 14, 15,000 in just getting restaurants prepared and ready to go. And then if you happen to be in a situation where you're doing testing, I mean, you know, depending on how many staff members you have, you're talking about thousands more dollars to conduct those tests. That's a lot. That's having to sell a lot of pizzas to offset that kind of cost. And so that federal money came in huge for you guys. Exactly. And so talk about a huge, like I said, uh, um, uh, just peace of mind. Hey, it's here. You're not, if we hadn't been given that, um, this would be much harder than what it is right now. It's already- Do you think they need to do more? Do you think they need to do another round of that? We've been hearing that from some businesses as well. You know, I I mean, I think it kind of depends what kind of business model you are. Uh, For us, because we were able to adapt quickly due to the fact we are delivery and to go, um, we were kind of able to weather the storm easier than other places were. But I know uh, some businesses uh, that weren't able to make weren't able to adapt like that. I mean, really, really, really struggle. And um, I think you are going to see a number of places, you know, go out of business due to this. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sammy, it's impressive what you guys have done, man, and and how you responded to this. Uh, we're going to call you in, in three more months. I want some good news, yeah. man. Hey, man, All right? we're for real. I mean, we're, like I said, we've got, you know, we through our customers and staff, you know, we've got a lot of good news here. It also is good. crazy rolling with the punches. I look forward hey, to uh, we, have another beer on, on the on the street with you, man. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Uh, and, and Sammy, before we let you go, uh, we should ask you, how's the employee doing? Uh, employee's doing good. She um, uh, was really only sick for three or four days. And mm-hmm. I think that's, that's also the, not every case is a severe case. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, one of the things, you know, that when that, when, when that text message came through, you know, it was, you know, I mean, how does she feel and is she okay? And 
honestly, she's pretty frustrated that she couldn't come back to work because she's ready to come back to work. <laughs> but uh, but, tell her, but, tell her but, rest but we got to follow protocol and uh, we got to make sure that she gets a negative result before she is allowed back in. And uh, we're very happy with all the results that came back and we're going to continue to do a good job and, and keep people uh, clean and proactive and uh, ask our customers to trust us and uh, we're going to continue to be proactive. So Sammy's Place is, uh, Jason, just one of 50,000 restaurants in the state of Texas. Hard hard to believe uh, when you think about 50,000 restaurants in this state. We eat out a lot. It's kind of stunning. My double chin is proof of that, Jason. (laughs) Have you still been going out to eat? Yeah. No, I I do take out quite a bit uh, for our favorite restaurants, but no, we we don't go out to eat. Do you go out to eat? I, yeah, I have a, a couple of times, and and See, I will you're, say you're the reason we're doing the Zoom call, bro. That, that's I know, you know this is this is why. I know uh, you got to stay away from me. No, you know I've been very careful though, and I wear a mask everywhere I go. And some of these restaurants have it down. I mean, they're doing uh, so much to try to keep you you know safe and keep everybody safe. I will say I did walk into a restaurant several days ago, and um, I'm not going to say where or which one. Uh, but I reached into my pocket to get my mask because I was there to pick up a to-go order and I had forgotten my mask and I thought, well, let me just run in here real fast. I couldn't get out of that place fast enough. I swear to you, they were at 100% capacity and not one person was wearing a mask. It was like I had walked into 2018. Dude. Like pre-pandemic, everything's fine, nothing to worry about here. Better, and better hope our I bosses don't listen to this episode. Oh, no, no, no. I, 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 like, held my breath and left. <laughs> I mean, it was just like I, I couldn't stay in there because I, I just thought, what are you people thinking? Uh, but I will say I, I do remember I think, that the CDC did mandate if you can hold your breath, you should be fine. I, I do remember reading that, Jason. <laughs> Or I, I'm assuming you're being sarcastic, but I, you know, if I'm not breathing it in, you know, so, so here's the thing. So that is one example. And I think it is, I hope that is an outlier. I will say that most places where I've gone to pick up a to-go order, and yes, I always wear my mask, especially now, uh, most places I've gone to, they're really taking this seriously. Problem is though, uh, these restaurants are spending gobs of money to adjust to all of this, to change their protocols, to get rid of the tables that are in their establishments. Uh, and then at the same time, they're not you know, maybe doing the business that they were doing before and they don't know what to expect going forward and uncertainty is no business person's friend. So let's kind of zoom out here and do a 30,000 foot view of the mm-hmm. restaurant industry after we talked to Sammy there on the ground in Dallas. Uh, the Texas Restaurant Association is run by a woman named Dr. Emily Williams-Knight. She's the president of the TRA, and she has been up night and day trying to figure out where to go forward. The TRA, the Texas Restaurant Association, actually has a plan that it's working with the governor on on, on how to help rescue uh, part of this industry. Any 
time we go in the wrong direction as we're trying to get back to 100%. Um, it's difficult for restaurants. But I think as an industry, you know, we talk to our members obviously daily. We work with the governor's office. And if we believe that this is the right thing to do and we can support it, then we're, we are going to get to 100% faster. And so for many of our restaurants, they couldn't get past 50% anyway due to social distancing. What are you hearing from members? We're currently predicting about 30% of our restaurants will close. We're seeing the Paycheck Protection Program money start to run out for many of these um, organizations. And now with the setback on Friday, I think it's just one more burden they have to carry. And so for us, it was why we pushed the alcohol expansion waiver so hard last week and we're able to cross the line with that on Saturday. Um, I think, you know, optimism is, is hard right now. The thing that nobody has is certainty. There's no clarity of when the bottom is going to hit. And with that, you have a lot of restaurants finally just saying enough. I don't know when I can get out of the situation. So I'm just going to close up shop and, and move on. And when you say 30% of restaurants are ex- are expecting to close, you mean permanently? Permanently. We're up about 14 to 15% as we speak out of the 50,000 that we had on the first of the year. Uh, we're down 700,000 jobs, about $5 billion in revenue. Um, and if this continues, mm. no one would have expected. If you told me March 15th that going into July we'd be sitting here as an industry, I wouldn't have believed you. Um, but we are. And so now we have to take action to save this, save the sector. And Emily, when we talk about 30% of restaurants closing, that's a lot of jobs that go with those restaurants. Where do those people go? Different industries or what? You know, I think one of the most painful conversations I've had was on Friday. I had a restaurant and uh, that also has a bar reach out and she was very emotional. The owner said, Emily, no one will take my people. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I have people that nobody else will hire. And it's a reminder that we are the industry that's first, second, third chance in life. Um, we'll hire you. you. You've got a spirit. You come to work for us. And so we're deeply concerned about these employees. Um, we need to get them back to work. We're 47 percent minority in our workforce. Four out of eight managers are minority. I mean, we are a very important social and financial contributor to the state. And so the pain is far worse than just economic. Wow. Let's talk about the numbers here just a little bit, because I was looking at some statistics that you all put out. And I don't think that most people in Texas think in these terms because you think of restaurant employees. But you all put out a stat that said there are one million three hundred forty four thousand two hundred restaurant food service jobs in Texas. That was last year. And that constituted 10 percent of employment in the state. Let that sink in. 10% of the employment in this state is working in the restaurant industry. This is an enormous industry, and it is just being upended right now. It is catastrophic. And if you think about those are jobs are in every community across the state, 254 counties we represent. And so when you look at this loss of jobs, it's local. These are local families. Um, These restaurant owners tend to be local members in their community. They were the ones that were always there. They sponsored your T-ball team, your fundraisers when there was a crisis, when Harvey hit in Houston, we fed everyone. Um, And now we're sort of turning around and saying, listen, if you don't help us, we're going to be in trouble. And and I think what people tend to forget with that number is that we're 51% of the food dollar in the state of Texas. So if you shut down that supply chain at a dramatic rate, you're going to have trouble feeding Texans. And so our ability to get alcohol to go, to get the retail waiver, to almost set up little grocery stores around the state is helping to get some of the most food insecure areas fed. Um, It is so much, it's nice to love restaurants, but then when you start to do the math and you see the impact, you realize that without them, this economy will never start at the rate that we needed to post pandemic. Emily, you're working a lot of back channels right now on the Texas Restaurant Survival Plan. Tell us what that is. What all does that entail and what kind of reaction have you gotten from the governor's office on it? 
Yeah, you know, Governor Abbott has actually been a great partner. I can tell you, even Friday's news, his team didn't want to give me, right, that we were going to make this announcement. We were going to scale back. And, you know, my job is to really stay as close to I can as the governor's office um, to try to make sure that we do our part to slow the spread. But it, I did have a chance then to reinforce this this survival plan and it has eight points to it. And the first is probably most important. It's a $390 million ask for essentially a recovery fund. So think about when we lost all the inventory. If you're a retail store that's selling items, you closed up for six weeks. It was very difficult, but you just reopened. We also lost all of our inventory. And so all of that cost, not one single business interruption insurance policy in the state of Texas has paid out. So you paid an absorbent amount of money, you got no relief. Then the paycheck protection program was a huge help, but that was for salary and rent. Mm -hmm. All the expenses of PPE, cleaning, sanitation, all of that is now falling on the back of the small business. And so this relief fund, which we feel like is a very small part of the $6 billion that the state has from the CARES Act, is really going to be very well put to use to the restaurants to help them start to grow um, and recover. We have tax deferrals. We are very concerned about delivery companies and the third-party fees that they charge. In some cases, our restaurants don't have a profitable order going out the door, and we want to have that addressed. And then the two other parts are really around this, I guess, the alcohol expansion that we secured, and then also a grant to help us get training for our restaurants and a certification program, and we were very proud to launch that with Dallas College. So. Honestly, the governor is stepping through this with us. He's trying to give us these elements. And our big ask now is that survival plan money out of that relief fund. And you mentioned alcohol expansion a few times for people who may not know what this is. This is the restaurants, you know, you order your food and they can also sell beer or mixed drinks to go as well, right? Yeah, so we had secured mixed drinks early on in the crisis, but we really very quickly saw that sending out the 375 bottle with mixers, there was going to be a limitation. A lot of distilleries don't make a 375. They were, tra- you know, making sanitizer, uh, but we have so much liquor bottles on the stores right now. And so to be able to mix on site and have a customer safely transport, we've just added another revenue stream that our restaurants just desperately need. Wow. Yeah, that's been wildly popular too. Uh, you know, just uh, Jason, are you speaking from experience, talking, Jason? <laughs> you, you, you sound like you know I, I all just, about it, man. I've been hearing about this uh, in in corners of the web. Uh, you know, from people though that I do uh, come into contact with, uh, you know, there's a lot of loyalty to you know some of their favorite eateries. Um, and and I just wanted to ask you from an individual standpoint. Let's say if I don't feel comfortable going into a restaurant right now, uh, what is the best way that people can can help this industry? I mean, it's a it's it's a struggling industry right now. Yeah, absolutely, and it's one that we need because I always tell people to close your eyes and think about the three restaurants you love the most where you've had family members, memories, kids' birthdays, and imagine them not there in two months when life gets back to normal. Um, It's really tough to think about that. There's the social part that we're going to miss. There's a couple things you can do, and I tell people, first and foremost, buy a gift card and don't use it. Buy a gift card today and put it in your pocket. It gives the restaurant immediate cash. Don't use it until you're comfortable, but more importantly, wait a couple of months because it's going to give them that lifeline short term. Um, do carry out. If you're not comfortable, any restaurant will do contactless option. Make the food. Remember, this is not a foodborne illness. This is a respiratory illness. We try to remind people that we don't own the corner on COVID-19. And when you think about health and safety and food safety, we're regulated every day of the year by the health department. So it's incredibly safe. Get it to go. And then go on social media. And when you have a great experience, even if it's to go, write about it and share it with your friends. Just encourage your friends to do the same. And if that social network gets moving, we will make a difference for restaurants. And I would say last is go to the TXRestaurant.org 
page and file with us the petition to Governor Abbott to get the survival plan approved. The biggest thing we can do is make sure that Governor Abbott knows across the state that every citizen supports restaurants. Emily, I noticed that you said that one of the ways to help out a restaurant is to do takeout. You did not mention delivery. There's a lot of money that's hemorrhaging there uh, with the delivery services. Yeah, you know, we would love an emergency order uh, for delivery companies. You know, we know that delivery has a huge role in our future, but third-party delivery, we have we have restaurants that are coming back, and on a $25 order, they make $3.70. That's really tough to swallow as a restaurant operator. At the same time, trying to manage your own delivery, you know, you know, process with a curbside with now a dining room that's hemorrhaging money, you can just imagine what they're trying to navigate. And so we say delivery, if you can go to the restaurant direct, that's the best way to go. But we're Wait, on a $25 order? $3.70. Making... Mm-hmm. Yep. Wow, so there's that's... multiple fees that are hidden. So if we can't do a fee cap, which many cities have done, Seattle, Portland, I believe Illinois passed an emergency cap. Um, you know, listen, we're all for free market. We love the idea. We love new businesses um, as, as an association. But but it's very unfair to restaurants now. And when they see that and they get it's just it's one more shot in the arm of of the pain they're feeling is they can't even make money on third party delivery. I, I can't imagine that the. the you know, many would be able to survive if they knocked it back down to zero. Again, how catastrophic would that be, Emily? Yeah, that, that would be the end. I mean, I, I don't know other than fast food, what, what, how you would survive. I mean, there's just no, without assistance, it would be north of 50%, we project that would just never open again. I, I do think that the, the key element here is is testing, but also contact tracing. We have to know truly where the spread is coming from. And I don't believe we have enough data today to actually point to, is this really the sector that's doing it or this sector doing it? And we need to have very solid contact tracing and point to where this is actually occurring. And I think, you know, he uses a lot of data and we've been very clear that we would like to see that contact tracing data as well. And the more effective that is and less patchwork, we'll have a better understanding. And like he's done, he targets specific areas with surge teams. And you may see some of that, like the packing plants in Amarillo, but I don't think you're gonna see a statewide shutdown. But we just all pray for the reduction. We can't have hospitals that are overrun. That's not good for anyone. Emily, the testing has been uh, still criticized, and and so has contact tracing. Um, you know, a, a lot of businesses say that we cannot afford to just keep doing this again and again, where we have to shut it all down. We start back up again. We're still not ready to start up again, and we shut it down again. Uh, this round has to be it, doesn't it? Are you hearing that from a lot of businesses? Like we've got to get this right when we come out of this. That's exactly right, and I think that's why they're so committed. You've seen restaurants, unlike any their industry close when they have a positive employee. They're not required to. Um, nowhere does it say they have to close, but they want to do everything right to protect their employees and their guests. And they would say, we've, we've got it. Now this is it, right? We've got to get this right. And that's why we really see that contact tracing and testing is a government role. That's the role of government, not the role of small business. And so we got up last week a couple days to 30,000 or more tests, which is what we need to be at. If we can keep that consistent and Governor Abbott has made that commitment, it will help tremendously. And honestly, one of the biggest drivers is going to be the public doing their part, washing their hands, staying safe six feet apart and wearing a face covering. That will make a very big difference for all of us. Emily, you're probably burning up your Zoom account talking to everybody all the time, including your clients, but um, your members rather. But I'm curious, what what keeps you up at night? Not knowing when the bottom is going to hit. 
that's number one. And number two, when you're in this role now, living through this crisis for 100 days, it's a very emotional uh, toll it takes on you because we get to hear right from operators. And these are family businesses. These are folks that have sometimes been in operation 50 years. And when they call in tears and they say, I, I just need help, what do I do? And you, you sit there saying, I can only offer you, in some cases, even prayer and the best guidance I can give you, but I also don't know when this is going to end. And so all I can do is lose sleep, which I do, but then get up and make sure that I use all the pain in the sector to drive the support we need. Um, I can't imagine restaurants are the lifeblood of every community across this nation. Uh, the second biggest employer, they've lost 8 million jobs in the U.S., three times anyone else. I don't know if anyone could pick a sector that's been this hard hit. And so it's the, just the sadness I feel sometimes because they get up every day and they're still trying to make it work. I mean, it's extraordinary grit and ingenuity. And it's, it's frankly, it's the American dream kind of living out all across the state. Um, and that's what really makes me continue on and gives me the energy to keep fighting because these people deserve it. These are incredible people and their employees deserve a voice. And that's what I feel we have at the federal level and with Governor Abbott. I will say uh, for anybody who's listening who says, you know, well, that's sad, uh, but that's their problem, not mine. I cook for myself. Uh, you should know uh, the Texas Restaurant Association has done the numbers on this. Every dollar, they say, that is spent in tableside uh, service, table service, uh, contributes $2.02 to the economy. So mm-hmm. twice as much as is spent at the restaurant contributes uh, into the economy. So the dominoes fall. And and when these restaurants start really suffering, uh, all of those dominoes start falling down. And one of those dominoes eventually hits all of us. You are so right. And you think about the impact. We talk about the jobs lost. Every single entity that touches us, whether it be distributors and wholesalers, food suppliers, florists, musicians, they've been decimated, entertainment, all of that circles around a restaurant. That ecosystem that we lead is massive. And that tax collection. We're last year just under five billion in just mixed beverage and sales tax to the state. Where are you gonna wow. find that? And, and we don't take money, we make money. <laughs> I like to tell people, right? We actually produce money to the state. And so when you start to look at city local budgets and you start to see the impact, I think that's when the pain will be real. But but the jobs and the people matter and the economics matter. But we try to try to bring it back to the fact that we've got a lot of people out of work and a lot of people who can't afford to be out of work. And so we've got to get restaurants back up and running. Jason, the best advice in that, in that entire conversation there with Emily is buy a restaurant gift card and do not use it. I had not it. thought about that. She, she's not saying do not use it ever. She's saying just wait a while. You know, give them the cash right. in their pockets right now. You can redeem it, you know, months down the road, maybe when hopefully things are better and you feel more comfortable again. Yeah, it's great advice, and we all have our, our favorite restaurants. Um, you know, I can think of plenty plenty of places. I don't know if a lot of my taquerias, though, sell gift cards. Yeah. Nevertheless, if they don't, they uh, should. Cool. They should start they now. Should. That's part uh, of this. Uh, you know, I, you've seen so much, though. There's been a lot of ingenuity with some of these places in yeah. figuring out how to stay in business. But, but here's something that, that that's tough to swallow until you think about it on an individual level. 30% of Texas restaurants are not going to reopen. They have closed permanently because what we have seen in the last 90 days. Think about that. 30, 30%. This is a, a, an industry that I think employs, what, 1.6 million people? Yeah, and, and let's just generically subtract 30% from right, that. And you're thinking, and, and you know, according to the Texas Restaurant Association, as we just talked about a moment ago, 
they extrapolate that 10% of the people who are employed in Texas are in their industry. So think about 30% of restaurants closing and the impact, how many yeah. jobs that means, how much tax yeah. revenue that means. And like she said, eventually that trickles down to every one of us because the state has to make up that money. Cities and counties have to make up that, that, that revenue from somewhere. So you end up paying yeah. in some way. Support them if you can is is the bottom line to this. I'm glad that uh, Sammy is is hanging in there. Uh, he's had to spend a hell of a lot of money to keep his business going. Put the plexiglass in, and if you hop on um, Facebook or on Instagram, there are pictures mm-hmm. of this. The Greenville Avenue Pizza Company is the name of the uh, uh, of his. They've done an amazing job there in a short period of time. They really have very short period of time so everyone's struggling through this if you can support your local restaurants think about what what uh emily said think of your three favorite restaurants and all the memories just support, associated yeah, yeah absolutely support them if you can you know yeah uh that's it for this week we uh are gonna do it all again next tuesday uh please by the way subscribe when you listen and that way you just get these automatically once a week and while you're on there let us know let us know what you think give us ideas uh you know comments or uh, compliments uh, criticisms if you've got one of whitely uh leave them there for us (laughs) or compliments Uh, that's fine (laughs) y'all have a good week